Greetings, fellow travelers, and welcome to the Way of the Showman, where we view the world through the lens of showmanship. I am your gracious host, Captain Frodo. And as always, it's great to have you back with me here today. I would like to thank you all just straight up for the incredible reviews you guys have been leaving. And I would also like to thank you for your time and attention. It's a pleasure to see how many people are listening to this. And uh, it's an endless source of joy in my life. Thank you. Now, I have been thinking more about uh, what I talked about uh, before when I talked about constrictions and limitations, how this pandemic has been a, a way that has put strong limitations on our lives as showmen, as performers, as artists. But I was also trying to make the case that uh, this limitation can also become a source of creativity, a way to move forward. And that made me think of this, that my sister drew something that was hanging in our toilet back home in Norway when I grew up. She drew this drawing as, as an art project where she drew this Chinese character. And the Chinese character for crisis is put together, apparently, from two different symbols. You know, they combine symbols to create the meaning which becomes a new word. And uh, two things that crisis is put together is of is um, the um, sign for danger and new opportunity. And I thought that was quite an apt thing for these thoughts. But the thing that I had been thinking of was another point in my life that is pertinent to the way of the showman, this show, and uh, me as a writer. And it was um, in the mid-90s I was living in Copenhagen. I was uh, a street performer. Every day I would uh, get on my bike and I had a green milk crate strapped to the back of my bike and I put uh, my little suitcase in there and I went down and did these small shows um, every day. That's how I paid my rent and everything. And anyway, whilst I was there, I was uh, it was kind of a dark time actually. It was, uh, it was both because it was a Nordic winter, which is cold. It's one of those places where you sometimes have to have a broom that we had there was a little sort of church really close to where we did our street shows and we had a broom there and sometimes we would sweep the <laughs> literally sweep the snow off the pitch before we did shows the pitches where we do shows as street performers anyway i'm digressing far right but in this time i was uh, i was in a relationship which was also a dark relationship there was so much jealousy and the girl that I was seeing was very jealous and to the point that she disliked um, me doing shows there's a very particular and and uh, energetic and powerful relationship between a performer and uh, and their audience and so to calm all this down I stopped performing so for a few months there in uh, January February or March I think in uh, 1997 I stopped doing shows and it's the only time in my life that I had the shows have not been a part of it and to make money which I still had to make of course I uh, I got a job as a temporary worker at a at a factory 
and for I've worked at lots of different little factories and this is my whole uh, experience with honest work getting up in the morning getting on a bus and going out to this uh, factory and this factory that I'm thinking of now is a was a factory that made soap it made dishwashing soap it squeezed the powder dishwashing powder into tablets that you could put into your dishwashers and there was one day when we were there because of course my mind is always that's the only way I know how to think is to think of the world through the lens of showmanship and it's always been that way and at that day we finished an order of uh, dishwashing soap tablets and then they stopped the machine and all of us had to those who were there packing boxes or putting tape on things and putting lab labels on different soap boxes we all had to get up and then the foreman came gave us all uh, rooms and then everybody had to go around the room and sweep everybody had to pretend to be sweeping so to give the boss I guess the illusion of that we were still working but anyway when we then got back to the machine they and I had been watching this happening they had been changing the the little wrappers that came on these big rolls and they've just taken the one roll out that said like super dish soap and now they were going like extra super dish soap but the only thing that they had changed was these labels so the machine started then spouting it up we put our brims away and the machine started spouting out these tablets into new boxes with new wrappings but it was the same soap and I thought here this is a place of illusion we are we are now been given the illusion that we've been working whilst this machine has been involved in, in a magic trick where the the effect that the audience sees is choice we go into the supermarket and we stand in front of the shelves and we um and ah should I get the cheap uh, soap or should I just splash out and get the really good dishwashing tablet that will make my things shine and all the while uh, it's uh, just giving you the illusion of choice there's no real choice in it so there is illusions hiding anywhere everywhere anyway in this time where where the jealousy uh, that uh, was going on at the time it made me um made me a factory worker the only thing that the factory actually needed from me was my hands so i was listening to audio books i listened to the entire uh, trilogy of the lord of the rings trilogy whilst i worked there but i also spent a lot of time just thinking and it was in this uh, first sort of thoughts whilst uh, packing soap tablets and I later on worked in a kind of chocolate factory and uh, as I was eating chocolate and packing them into boxes I was taking my first exploratory steps into the carnival of dreams these tiny first steps beyond myself out along the way of the showman so in the restriction of not being able to perform, my creativity found a new way. And I was writing these ideas. I started writing them down. They found their way into stories and they found their way ways into, uh, into essays. And luckily, um, 
all of these essays and things that I wrote at that time, most of it uh, was on a hard drive on a computer that died sometime back in the ancient times, in the last end of the last millennium. So, and this was before the internet, so none of it was online. So, luckily for me, some of these early attempts uh, are now lost forever. So we can collectively imagine that they are excellent, um, even though they were probably absolutely terrible. But anyway, in that sense, it was those early steps that was taken then that I took where in um, in Copenhagen in some ice cold factory somewhere, whilst looking at the illusion of choice and the illusion of work, and that was what led me to being here right now, talking to you about these things. So, it is very real this thing that constrictions and limitations can create new and excellent work because in a sense it's this that sort of that little trickle that little wellspring of of creativity in me has formed this little trickle that eventually has become this river and eventually now uh, it's 1996 that's uh, that's several decades ago I'm getting old and uh, <laughs> that uh, trickle has now hit the ocean where I can set sails and invite you all along aboard my showmanship. I am your captain and I am speaking to you. <laughs> As performers and show folk, we are so intrinsically interwoven with our craft. We artists are very closely identified with our work. If, if we don't get to face the others, stand before a crowd, make them smile and make them laugh and show them what we have created, what came from inside ourselves and then meaningfully connecting through the shared attention that the show is, then um, the fact that we're having this shared attention gives meaning both to our craft and to our existence as human beings. It is this very attention that we share that makes our life meaningful and makes what we do meaningful. So in a sense, when we are not doing that, the meaning disappears and the whole showman vanishes. The man is still here, I'm talking to you, but with the show gone, there is a lack of meaning. And today's essay is about another deep source of meaning in my life, another role that I'm playing, and that is the role of father. I'm daily involved in a daily show of showing my daughter the way, not just the way of the showman. She obviously has to work out what she wants to be. I don't know if she wants to be a showman. Maybe she wants to be something completely different. Maybe she wants to be an acrobat or uh, a trapeze artist. I don't know. There are so many things people can become. So we'll just have to wait and see. But anyway, I hope that um, these thoughts, which is about children and about childhood and about uh, being a father, will resonate with you, even if you don't have a child yourself. Because at least we all, I'm pretty sure that even though you don't have a child, you have at least been a child. It's hard to remember sometimes. We just go about our day and you feel like, the, type, the way that I'm thinking now, I have always been thinking like this, but there was a time when you were a child and the world looked very different. 
you walked around and there was like there was another whole species of human beings going around you. They were all giants and they were boring and they, whenever they got together they didn't play. They just sat down around the table and talked and talked and talked and drank coffee and, and you couldn't understand how they were wasting these opportunities. And then days passed, the days ran away like wild horses over the hills. And one day, when you looked in the mirror, you saw one of them staring back at you. You had become one of them, the adults. So, this one goes out to all of you who have been children or who has a child of their own. Anyway, I hope you like it. In defense of children. Important! Please read if you have children! Exclamation mark. Because I don't. And I slept until 11 and it was glorious and I just wanted to let you know. Luckily for me, the author of this excellent public service announcement from Facebook wrote in all caps lock. This is basically how I judge whether something is an important comment. And as a rule, if it's written in all caps lock, it is not important. Complexity and depth do not coincide with writing in all caps or written shouting. But, as we say in Norway, those who shout in the forest shall be answered, for then some rupor i skogen skal forsvare. In the shouted statement, I saw a little question concerning children. And since I tend to search for the deepest answers to the simplest questions, here is my answer. In my feed on my social media, children have been getting a hard time during the apocalypse. Usually it's not really attacks on the kids per se, but rather something along these lines. The only thing I love more than children is doing what I want all the time. Or this one. You know what's sweeter than the sound of a child's laughter? The sound of silence from not having any fucking kids at all. What clever and funny ways of expressing the joys of egocentricity. How good to be able to drink during the day and binge watch whole seasons of TV. How lovely it would be. But when I scroll further on my feed and read some of their other posts, I'm not so sure they are so much happier than me, who does have a kid. The memes make me giggle, most are funny jokes, yet from my experience they spring from a kind of misapprehension. It seems they think the only thing a child does is steal time. Steal your time, yet, like in any good transaction, it's really more of an exchange. You get something more valuable in return. There's an experiential dimension to kids that most childless people might not appreciate. In the stress of daily life, even many parents forget this dimension. Like many of the most important things, this dimension is subtle, hence easy to overlook. Yet, once you get it, it's as obvious and life-affirming as the difference between a set of directions to a place and Robert Frost's poem, The Road Not Taken. I sit 
inside brooding my blinds are drawn shut i'm unemployed because of the pandemic and a feeling of uselessness lies just beneath the surface to feel that what we do is right for ourselves and good for the world at the same time is one of the great triumphs of human existence i am a showman and being a showman is intricately connected to groups of strangers I'd argue that you can't understand what a showman is except as a part of a duality with crowds. It is being watched by a crowd which makes my craft, the craft of showmanship, meaningful. Crowds are integral to our craft and simultaneously it is the very thing which will spread the COVID-19 virus. We performers, the ones who face the other way, are facing a very uncertain future indeed. Possibly for the first time in history there are no crowds anywhere. We show folk are collectively lost, not like wanderers lost in a wood, but like wanderers who have lost the woods. The famous psychologist Carl Gustav Jung said that the majority of those who came to him weren't dealing with clinical neuroses, but with a lack of meaning in their lives. In fear of losing our way completely, we must reignite our search for meaning. Here I am ahead of the game. I have a hidden bedrock, a deep dimension of meaning. Let me tell you the tale. It all began seven years ago, very soon after my daughter was born. I was carrying her, in a baby wrap against my chest to help her nap at least three times a day for at least three years. Up until then, my identity was showman. It was simple making, performing, touring, and talking about crowds, creation, and shows was my relationship and usefulness to the world. During those long walks in the forest with my daughter, this was beginning to change. A metamorphosis occurred. I was still the same person, but I was also becoming something more. My sleeping child was the seed for this growth. She sprouted invisible roots through my chest and straight into my heart. As we fused, becoming symbionts, my acts and my art lost ground as foundation for my identity. A new, deeper foundation became apparent to me. Like my relationship to crowds had shaped me as a showman, this new, deeper relationship with my child was reshaping me as a man. My responsibility grew deeper than entertaining crowds. The transformation was akin to when I grew from a boy into an adolescent and then onwards to a young adult. Each time I gained something new, more autonomy, better grasp of the world, a different relationship to my genitals, and with that a different relationship to the other sex. With each change I went through a kind of expansion, further into the world. A new dimension appeared. I didn't know it at the time, but with each development I also left something behind. As I left the kingdom of childhood, I left my sense of play behind. This loss is very apparent to me these days as I see my daughter completely absorbed in play with her toys. 
I used to play endlessly with my Star Wars figurines, and this ability is now lost to me. In transformation, something is gained, and something is lost. Becoming a father changed my relationship to my vocation in a good way. It greatly expanded the meaning and purpose of my old identity as a showman. Caring for my child made me an expanded man. Still a showman, but expanded. It connected me deeper into the worldwide web of life. My previous identity as a showman only connected me to other human beings. Showmanship only makes sense to humans. You can use a cat in your acts, but you can't do your acts for cats. Show a dog a card trick and you will see what I mean. On the other hand, being a parent is something a dog understands. Try kicking a dubber man's puppies and see it react. Its reactions might be even as powerful as a human being seeing that card trick. Possibly even more powerful. Becoming a father connected me to a part of reality shared not just by people, but arguably with the entire animal kingdom. Connecting to my child, I connected to something very much greater than myself and my kind. This experience was not merely cognitive. It permeated me completely. My feelings and thoughts were in perfect agreement with my will. There was no doubt in my soul I would throw myself without hesitation at the monster in my daughter's closet, even if it was the last thing I did. The feeling was strange and unbelievably powerful. Deeper connections are the very core of what you want as a showman. A deep connection with the audience is the very point of the way of the showman. I sat inside, brooding whilst wasting some time scrolling on my phone when my friend wrote me, asking how I was. I wrote something like, I am fine as long as I'm in the moment, but when I think about the future I very easily come undone. My wife can attest to the fact that my mood swings, often for the worse when I'm not performing. Everything is up in the air. When will shows open? Will they open at all? When can I again provide for my family? When will my ridiculous skills become useful and meaningful again? And most importantly, when will it be safe for elderly people to once again play the slot machines at a local petrol station? Or a gas station, as we say here in Las Vegas. In short, the now is okay, but the future is uncertain. Uncertainty, especially about the future, can be very distressing. I tried to convince myself that the way to the future is made up of a string of now moments. The first moments of my day I drink tea. It's a couple of days before Easter. Like most mornings I sit with my daughter on the couch and we read. Her half hour Zoom school starts at nine. Until then we just hang out. Most mornings I read aloud. We've been reading Harry Potter since the quarantine started and we've we're almost finished the second book. I do the voices. It's not easy. There's so many kids and teachers in those books. I'm not exactly a man of a thousand voices. I'm mostly a one-voice kind of guy. Or I was until I had a kid who loves stories as much as me. So now I have a few voices down pretty good. At the end of the chapter she says, 
I wish it was Sunday. I look at her and put my teacup down. Easter Sunday has become a big thing for her. I'm not exactly sure why. I'm not a religious man. But in these troubled times, we need all the excitement we can get. So to feed it, I am planning a treasure hunt. We have invited a best friend and quarantine buddy Richard over to our house to join the treasure hunt and have great things in store for them. First, they'll discover a map dangling from a string or high up on the balcony. They'll spot it from the trampoline. They'll have to study it and if they do, they'll discover that an X is down there next to the pomegranate tree and this will be the spot for the next clue. And there will be many clues, one frozen inside ice in the freezer, one at the bottom of the pool, one high up in the olive tree, and the final clue involves having them to walk 22 steps northwest and 17 steps due east. I gave my daughter a compass a while ago, and now she will get to use it to find a donkey-shaped piñata filled with chocolate eggs and bunnies and a squishy toy for each of them. Why are there bunnies and eggs for Easter, she asks. It's the mystery of life, I say. Winter has passed, new life is in the air, Easter is a festival of hope. I'm quietly chuffed about my answer. Hope is the fuel of my daughter's treasure hunt excitement. The hope of chocolate, maybe a squishy toy rat, makes her ecstatic with joy and anticipation. She doesn't know what's going to happen, but she is pretty sure it's going to be good. She is facing the future, playfully. From my adult, grown-up point of view, things are changing. The old world order is wobbly. There's a pandemic, and there's also climate change, self-driving cars, and AI. As the poet said, the times they are are changing. Things are changing for my daughter as well, but her change is not from something she used to know to something new, since she practically doesn't know anything and everything is new for her. The world is so vast, every day brings new things. A pandemic? She takes it in her stride. It's no more strange and unexpected than the fact that we started doing jump rope for the outdoor part of our homeschool routine or that one morning we find our car has gotten a flat tire, which leads to a whole flurry of never-seen-before activities. There's a petrol stain on the road. I'm happy to see it doesn't come from my car. From the look of it, it's from my neighbor's lawnmower. While I crouch by the flat tire, brooding over my broken future, my girl is chanting some verse from school whilst spinning her jump rope and splashing into the pool. Goggles and squeals and endless bell peals of a child's laughter. It's earlier than eleven. The person who wrote that meme isn't even up yet. I've been up for hours. She squeals with delighted laughter again. Part of me thinks, how can you laugh at a time like this? The world is falling apart. My way and means for making a living is evaporating like gasoline on hot tarmac. The petrol stain next to me is a thin film on the ground. The sun is creating a gorgeous display of colours, and my girl comes over, dripping wet with her jump rope, it's wrapped around herself. <sighs> she follows my gaze to the stain. Look, Papa, it's a dead rainbow, she says, pointing to the evaporated stain of my future. <laughs>
My heart flutters and my eyes well up. Want to jump in the pool with me? She asks. I nod, afraid that my voice will crack if I speak. The virus has been terrible with its destruction of lives and livelihoods, but as morbid as it might be to admit it, it's also a kind of exciting time. Who would have thought we would live through an apocalypse? The world is changing, the situation is new, I can't predict or fix the things the way that I used to, I need a new approach. I find this in the hidden dimension revealed by the children. They are my Easter, the hope, the new life and the way forward, a reminder not to get overwhelmed by the future and that I have to face it playfully. This is what I am doing before eleven in the morning. This is what having kids adds to my existence. I feel like I'm a better man for it. Yet, I wouldn't mind binge-watching Unorthodox about now. And with that, I would like to thank you all for coming along on this journey along the way of the showman. The only thing I would like to ask you is to go over and if you have enjoyed this, go to iTunes. That's the main place for these things. Click just five stars uh, or uh, even write a few words. If some of the things that I say, some of the thoughts that we talk about here has triggered anything in you, then please share those thoughts there. You can also find these essays uh, on thewayoftheshowman.com, my website, where I will also start to attempt to make some links to some of the things that I talk about, uh, filmmakers and the books and, uh, and uh, TV shows, whatever it is that I mention here, so that you can seek it out in the privacy and comfort of your own bubble. And with that, all that remains to be said is uh, take care of yourself and those you love, and I hope to see you all along the way. Thank you.